it's yeah. it's an international crime syndicate because this is what Putin and the fucking oil oligarchs did in Russia. Yep. They did it a lot quicker because they had a lot less robust systems, but yep. it's a pretty similar path, which is pretty damn scary. Yes. You know, when you look at it. I don't know what the post office actually does. Um, I also don't know if um, Kamala Harris, I don't know if not so if you say her name, but I don't know if she was born in the United States. I wasn't elected to know things. I was elected to get things done. What up, world? Welcome back to the AmeriPodcast. Long time no here. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. We are on a super secret mission to to save democracy, which <laughs> didn't work. Thanks for laughing at that, by the way. I was just going to keep going and edit it out. <laughs> oh, I thought it was funny. We're keeping it in. Keep it in. Keep it in. Doing it live. It is Friday, August 14th, 2020, for those of you listening in the future. Everyone, which is everyone. Yeah, which is everybody at this point. It's live for us. We do it in one take. Today we are going to talk about uh, just a couple things. We're going to talk about Donald Trump trying to sabotage the United States Postal Service, which if you've listened to our previous episodes, you know how we feel about that. Great. Spoiler alert is great. We love it. Yeah, we love it. Yeah. Thumbs up. Two thumbs up. 100%. And then we're going to talk about a little uh, Joe Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, Joe Biden's Vice President pick, which I am stoked about. If you've been <laughs> listening to this podcast, you would also know. <laughs> Blake's, Blake's 100% from our, uh, from from the our fantasy draft. Yeah. Uh, got the VP and the presidential ticket. I mean, yeah. granted, Blake, you went very, very conservative with your first pick, picking Biden with your first pick. I mean. Did you have a fourth pick, too? I feel like we all left him on the board because we were boring with him. And then turns out, if you're leading in the polls consistently, you have a pretty good chance of winning the nomination. <laughs> no, I don't I, think Blake I, ha- I don't think Blake took him in the fourth round. No, no sorry, no, fourth, was... fourth overall. Fourth overall. Not in the fourth yeah, round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. yeah. Um, he, I believe he was at the, at the top of my choices with, I think Kamala was number one. To begin, right. Um, I feel like the he only was way... on my do not draft list. Eh, whatever. What, what, I, ha- what I have a copy of it. I'll find it. Okay. And yeah, and, and we can go back and listen to that episode. But the point is here is the only way you guys can win at this point. You actually have two two options. So there's split into thirds. So either Biden wins the ticket with Kamala and I win, or the other two thirds are Donald Trump wins or Kanye West wins, which would be like nope, the wild. We're, we're not talking about Kanye river. West on this and podcast. T- and Tyler wins because nope. he picked him as a celebrity, right? <laughs> right. And then Tyler would win. So, Shut it so down. it's either it's either I Shut win. It down. It's either I win. Tyler wins on on some wild river card, or we all lose. Those are the options. <laughs> I hate all of this. Which <laughs> I hate all of these options. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Biden wasn't my first pick. That's why I wasn't going to select him at all through any. I wasn't either. He was on my yeah. no draft list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Blake, no. I choose option four, which is burn it all down. How's that sound? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I'd never expect you to be an anarchist, but. Ooh, now we're talking. John wants to burn the system down. Are you hearing burn this right down. now? John wants burn to burn the system. Yeah, right. 
Before we get carried away, let me introduce the crew today. We have not here Mr. Tyler Grillo. He's in the garden dancing with the flowers, which is actually a great place to be. Yeah. I have yeah. a quote I have a quote on that which I'd like to share later. Yeah. He's, he's you know, making some cool ciders and uh hooking up that sweet, sweet vegetable garden that he's sharing with his neighbors. That's right. So that's pretty dope. That's right. So Remind me to tell you the garden quote for Tyler at the end of this episode. With us today, we have remotely recording Mr. John Kelly from the greater Denver metro area. Hello, sir. How are you today? I'm good. Good. You know, glad it's Friday. Um, watching a very, very hazy orange sun with all the fires out here. Yeah. The smoke's been terrible. Really bad. And... Also in the Denver metro area, Mr. John Anderson. And my dog, Ike. With his doggies. With my dog, Ike, who is named after President Eisenhower, who uh, oversaw a 90% tax bracket and fucking started the space program and built the interstate system. So maybe yeah. we should add funded, a bunch of... Funded programs. Yeah. yeah. Turns out that's important. So maybe we should, you know, up all of the marginal tax rates and then include a whole bunch of more of them. And then we can take some of that tax money and fund the post office with them. How's that sound? Mm-hmm. So other yes. than angsty, how are you feeling today, Mr. Anderson? How are you doing? Oh, you know, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to, turns out, in uh, my house, I have grapevines, which has been a whole revelation in my life. So uh, I'm looking forward to going and, and putzing around with them. Also, I need to do a round of murdering Japanese beetles, who I hate. With a intense, intense passion, yeah. uh, and this so, is an invasive species. It's not a cover band like Blake thought they were. Yeah, Blake. Blake <laughs> thought it was a cover band of of the Beatles. I'm assuming, <laughs> uh, but no. Unfortunately, these are an invasive beetle species that are eating all of my plants, and it's making me very upset. Obviously, I I have to admit the Japanese beetle cover band. Sounds a lot more fun, but uh, it does. I I fully I don't think there's any admitting about that. I I think you're gonna get a hundred percent out of a hundred or a hundred percent of people agreeing with you, except for the Beatles. The Beatles don't agree with you. Not the band, but the little insect. And I have to do it because I always forget. I am your host, Blake Mannion. Guardrails. There it is. Used to be the Modelo's guardrail, but now he's just the regular guardrail. No wide guardrail. Well, hold on. Right. Yeah, I've switched. Oh. Yeah. It's it's for diet concerns. I have to drink wine now. But, you know. This is fair. Beer is not good for you, generally speaking. <sighs> yeah, it's just, uh, you know, turns out it makes me want to party. So I got to tone it down. <laughs> but moving on here. Who has the leading argument for Donald Trump against Donald Trump defunding the United States Postal Service. He's threatening to do it kind of using the Senate as a uh, way of blocking the funds from uh, being appropriated. Uh, is there something he can do within his own actions, or is are these just so, throwing rocks? I mean, he already has, which is he has appointed a postmaster which um, who has no experience in the post office, which is the first time in the history of the post office, which goes back to the founding of our nation, that we have a postmaster general who has no experience at the post office. Um, right. Only only ties to other corporate entities that send packages. Yeah. 
but uh, and so he uh, is a mega donor of Trump, and he has. It's not only a funding issue; they have started to do things like uh, remove automatic sorters in post offices. They have restricted completely the overtime of postmen. Um, I saw on Twitter today, and it's a little unsubstantiated, but I've seen lots of pictures of uh, uh, drop boxes being taken away. Um, And interestingly, I suppose... Is that something the post office does? They're in charge of the drop boxes, the post office? uh, Those, like, blue U.S. post office things on the corner. So Okay, so you mean the actual, like, mail... Blue boxes, not necessarily the ballot boxes. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the blue boxes where you pull up on the side of the road and you drop in your package, whatever. Um, Blake, what you're referring to more is mm -hmm. like ballot boxes that you will see outside of governmental collection facilities. Right. Those are good. Outside of county courthouses or state courthouses, stuff like that, where you can Mm -hmm. turn in your vote. Which, but not into a mailbox. And 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 by the way, in Colorado, we are a hundred percent mail-in uh, 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 state, and I will be not dropping my uh, ballot, ballot in the mail, but I will be taking it directly to a drop-off box. Correct. Um, so uh, it's not only a funding issue; it's a policy issue. The another. <clears throat> interesting thing about this is typically when you have these kinds of things, there's some uh, rationale for it, whether it's nefarious or otherwise. It's something, you know, oh, we have to save the money and actually we're putting in a system to make the post office much more efficient and this is just a part of it. They're not doing any of that shit. That's none of that shit. This is just straight up we are cheating and we don't care if you know about it. And that's a really, really humongous problem. It's not only a problem with the election, it's a problem with social security checks and bills and people's medication. This is a fundamental service that is literally written into our constitution. And literally it's in the constitution. And so it is, it is vitally important to people's lives, not only about the election, that this thing runs efficiently. This is a really good example of, Oh, turns out the government matters and turns out having it run efficiently matters and maybe electing a bunch of people who don't believe in the fundamental mission of government is not a good way to run government. And this, these are the consequences. And I mean, there's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff within, within what you were just talking about to unpack that is really important to understand. One is that really big changes in the postal service usually come because of what you called nefarious threats. But, uh, you know, the postal system has still worked even in our worst crisis times. It was open and still running during the Civil War, during every major war that we've had, during economic downturn, during economic boosts. I mean, so the idea, right, that the nefarious action now is somehow this glut, this idea that mail-in voting is going to do a bunch of fraud throughout all the states. And so we should cut the idea of the postal service is really a, it's a two level thing. First, it's a historical buildup of what John was talking about of Republican anti-government and anti-big government on the federal level to support nationwide programs, especially programs that help poor people. 
It's been a concerted effort for 30 plus years on the Republican side. And then you have a president who's in office who is very much threatened if people are allowed to vote en masse. And, but because of the pandemic, you have more people who want to vote by mail and you have the potential to have the highest outcome of voters that we've seen in this country in decades because people are more interested in politics. They are more pissed off about what's happening both on the left and the right and can vote because it's easier to do by mail. And that scares Trump and it scares the Republicans as well because they're scared they're going to lose yeah. a bunch of places where people don't normally vote for a whole variety of different reasons. And a lot of which I, I would argue are economic in general. Um, you know, I would, I'd be the first person to push for uh, having a national holiday centered around voting. So people go out and vote. You should also to to work. get a tax yeah. cut. Uh, well, <laughs> right. Yeah. But I mean, at, you know, at the end of the day, it's really, it's a very clear attempt to undermine the legitimacy of what our election is. And they're doing it underneath the guise of trying to protect it. Yeah. And it's amazing that people buy that because it's the exact opposite. It's using such ridiculous circular logic. It's unbelievable. And let's just be clear that Donald Trump votes by mail. So he can, yes. he, yeah, he requested he can, a ballot this he week. He can suck it. Yeah. yeah um, didn't him and Melania just uh, approve something in Florida for voting by mail? I mean, Trump tweeted they that, requested their ballots. Yeah. In, in Florida. Yeah. Um, and it, it, the other thing that's really important about this uh, uh, to note is it's increasingly looking like Donald Trump is not going to be able to win the popular vote, basically under all reasonable circumstances. But uh, it's very plausible that he wins the Electoral College. And so that, me that means that per states matter. It's not per vote. Also, it's per state. And it is very clear that the Republican Party generally is gearing up in lots of states, especially swing states, to challenge legally the election. And so yep. it is – And the mail-in system. Exactly. He and so he came, out, he came out last week and said, I have full confidence in Florida's ability yes. to be able to mail by vote because he believes he can win Florida. Yep. While challenging California's right to do mail-in voting yep. because he knows he's going to lose California. And so what we must do is make sure that the margins are so wide that they are unable to challenge the general outcome of the election. This has to be a landslide or I guarantee you it will – well, I guarantee you anyways we are not going to know on November 3rd, who the next president is going to be. It will go at least until inauguration day. This is going to be like 2000, only a lot worse. And everybody, yeah, I mean, I, I, I won't go that far. I hope that it doesn't have to go to the Supreme court. Well, and do a, a partisan vote again. So let me be specific. But, it will, we will not know the outcome of this election for a long time. And it will, in certain states go to the courts. And so the way to combat against that is to have very wide margins, but also it's going to be important that we all start to mentally prepare for this because I think a lot of people are saying, Oh, November 3rd, this nightmare is over. It is not it will be a major, uh, uh, battle point of, of this nightmare, but this nightmare will not be over until at least inauguration day. And then we begin the, decades-long project of repairing the damage right. so everybody yeah, right, get right. prepared yeah, there's, there's that but i'm pretty sure that at least three of us 
predicted that they're going to have to drag him out of the White House. Yeah. Even if he loses. It's something we've been talking about for a couple of years at this point. Yeah, I mean, it is literally yeah. the Secret Service is going to have to drag his ass out of the White House. And I think there are very specific reasons why you see three levels of barricades going up in front of the White House. It is not to keep protesters out. It yeah. is to prepare for an election stand. So this is going to be a thing. I want to point out some red flags about this whole postmaster issue. After doing a little research, did you guys know the deputy postmaster resigned on June 1st? Yeah, uh, they, they cleared out a bunch of senior officials, and then also they replaced 23 key officials throughout the Postal Service. It, it was yeah. uh, a Friday night massacre. So this, this uh, gentleman who resigned, um, Ronald Stroman, he was, he was, he'd been with, in his position for nine years, and with the Postal Service for more than 40, which is fascinating. And uh, they have yet to replace the deputy. In addition to that, when the new postmaster was hired, uh, Louis DeJoy, yeah. he, his salary went from an average of $82,000 a year, which is the average that is... Yeah reported on federalpay.org. It was around 82,000 years what the postmaster would make. His new salary for this Louis de Joy is $291,650 a year is his new salary. It almost quadrupled when this yep. dude was hired. Well, that, that's what happens when you cut service and you stop funding it at the ground level. You run the government like it's a fucking business. And so... You, Especially the type of business coming out of the Harvard Business School for the last 30 years, which is cut everything low to maximize profits at the top and maximize stakeholder investment. That's what you fucking get. Well, and, and this is also, in a lot of ways, just a scam. Yeah, 100%. It's a scam. And so, you know, one of the chief examples of that is if you donate to Donald Trump's campaign, the, uh, my understanding is you, you like his politics, right? And so you are trying to promote his politics. Oh, so man. you expect that money. Hell yeah, drain that swamp. You know, let's like be as charitable as possible. You expect that money will be spent to uh, towards policy at some point, right? Like, or you know, right? Sure, that's very nice. Yeah, you, but let's, yes. let's let's be very yeah. charitable about that and say, okay, I am a small government conservative. I'm donating to the Trump campaign because I want him to deregulate whatever. Um. That money goes to campaign events, and those campaign events all take place at Trump properties, which means Donald Trump is taking your donations, yeah. and he's paying himself to be a politician. It is a scam. It's a yeah. fucking scam. It's a total, total scam that ended up as him as president, and nobody believed he was going to be well he didn't believe he was going to be president neither did i uh and so <laughs> here we are the postmaster general making almost three hundred thousand dollars a year up from eighty two thousand dollars a year or whatever it was uh because it's a fucking scam and this guy was a mega donor so it's not like he needs the fucking money anyways so this is i said at the i don't know if i ever said it on the podcast but i when trump was elected I said, this is a hostile tr takeover business-wise of the federal government by the Trump organization. And this is yeah. what we're seeing. 
And it's a it's yeah. it's an international crime syndicate because this is what Putin and the fucking oil yeah. oligarchs did in Russia. Yep. They did it a lot quicker because they had a lot less robust systems, but yep. it's a pretty similar path, which is pretty damn scary. Yes. You know, when you look at it. And it's not what our government is about. For you know, for there's a lot of people I think that support Donald Trump because they do think that there is too much money being spent on the federal level. I really do thoroughly believe that. People who call for draining the swamp because they really do believe that their tax dollars aren't being spent yeah. properly. And I get that. Unfortunately, yeah. they've been swindled by a con man yep. in a suit that knows how to talk to them and knows how to use language to get them excited and really hollow language that has nothing to do with how he's going to act. And he uses language that uh, he'll say anything to do whatever he wants. And, you know, and it's, it is what and it is. It's, it's a scam. Disconnected from reality. <laughs> oh, yep. in a fundamental yep, way. It is. Uh, sorry to interrupt the cover. We have a special caller. Uh, someone's calling in. Should we see who it is? No. Um, this is your um, your grand commander, uh, Donald Trump. And, um, you know, just uh, one call, a very sad conversation uh, you're having here. You also didn't come to my inauguration. Um, so, very disappointed in that. Um, you know, I, I, you know, very unusual. I come on here with the fake news. Um, you know, with the libtards here, um, but I did want to set the record straight. Um, I don't know if they're taking away mailboxes. I don't know what the post office actually does. Um, I also don't know if um, Kamala Harris, I don't know if not so if you say her name, but I don't know if she was born in the United States. I wasn't elected to know things. I was elected to get things done. Uh, and so as your supreme overlord, um, I am just taking action as I was elected to do um, from my heart, um, which is very much filled with money. So thank you um, for spreading the lies so that I could have the opportunity to set the record straight. All right. Well, that was... Uh, Podcast over. Podcast <laughs> over. Straight from the horse's mouth. Wow. Not who I expected to call in, but... Uh... President Trump himself. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I, I'm not here to, to, to argue with you. I have a lot of facts I could show you. Um, I'm sure someone on my staff could give me some pieces of paper that I could hold up uh, and then I could read from them. I'm not great at reading, but you could at least understand that I have lots of facts. And um, I would be very happy to mail those to you, except for there is no mail system, so uh, that sure. won't work. Uh, Mr. President, this is John Anderson at the Inglewood Tribune. I have a question for you. Um, Recently, you said that uh, the Spanish flu ended World War II. I was curious if you could name the dates of of, of the Spanish flu outbreak and when World War II ended. Just like I said, I, I wasn't elected to know things or understand things. I was elected to get things done. Um, I'm sure that the war ended sometime in uh, the 1900s, um, and the flu was also during that time. I lived in that time as well, so that's how I know uh, that they existed. And, um, uh, uh, you know, it's not really the point, you know, the, the main point here is that, that you know, the, the pandemic um, is going to end um, all of our wars. Um, there's going to be no more wars. Uh, 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 Mr. President, follow up. Thank you. Okay. What wars? 
You know, there, there are a lot of wars happening all around. Everyone knows there are wars. Uh, there are wars in the Middle East. There are wars in South America. There are wars in Antarctica. There are wars everywhere. And uh, you know, what, what's gonna? That's why I'm really allowing. You know, it's really important that we're that we have such great numbers. We're doing the best testing here and have the greatest numbers because um, we're doing the most to end these wars um, by allowing the virus to end wars like it was meant to do. Uh, another follow-up, Mr. President. I'm 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 really uh, thankful that you brought up an- the war in Antarctica. I am curious what you're doing about the penguins and and the problems down there. I'm smuggling a lot of penguins right now, making sure that they are cared for. Um, I'm also holding the egg um, on my belly, just like the other male penguins do. Um, I have a lot of belly space. You know, some would say it's the greatest belly, great belly, best belly. <laughs> Um, also, my hair looks very similar to those one penguins that have, like, the mohawk-looking type hair. Uh, so I fit in really well. Uh, penguins love me. I have a lot of uh, penguin friends. Um, you know, I love the penguins. Do you have a favorite Batman villain? You know, if I had to choose, if I had to, if I had to choose my favorite Batman villain, you know, I'd probably choose Penguin uh, just because, um, you know, he's very rich. Um, we get a lot, you know, we, we, we see eye to eye there. I actually met Penguin a few times. Great guy. Wish him the best. Wish him, wish him the best. <laughs> also wish the Joker the best. Um, also wish not, not so much Bruce, uh, you know, uh, Bruce Wayne, um, as much. Um, he didn't come to my inauguration either. So, you know, I don't really know what's going on with him. Um, well, I think, Mr. President, we've got another caller coming in. I'm going to have to let yeah, you know. Yeah, I have other things to do too. I have other things to do too. So, uh, <laughs> uh, uh uh, you know, I need to go. I have a lot of presidential things to do and um, um, actions to take um, while other people read me things. So I uh, just want to set the record straight uh, on this fake news uh, podcast that you have here. Um, so if you would like to come to my next inauguration when I win this uh, election, then um, fair and square. It's going to be the best election we've ever had. Totally best. Totally fair. Um, as long as I win. So when that happens, uh, please come to my inauguration and maybe we can uh, straighten out our relationship. Until then, uh, you're dead to me. All right. <laughs> well, listeners, uh, that was that was uh, the president calling in, which was a whole adventure, you know. It's, uh, uh, honestly, uh, honestly, didn't, didn't know, didn't we, were know we were on his radar, radar but, but I'm kind of glad, glad we are dead to him. <laughs> he must be that 276th uh, subscriber that we noticed yeah. the other day. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sad about it. <laughs> I'm not sad about it in the least bit. Well, that was interesting. Okay, that was interesting. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of elections, should we? Yeah, talk yeah. about our most recent vice presidential nominee. Moving on to hopefully better and brighter things here. And hopefully me winning our contest. I think you've already won. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, there's still like, an there's, option to yeah, lose. You've already there's still an option okay. to lose. Because everybody could lose. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. It's not well, just... Let's hope that not everybody loses. Yeah. So you guys are hoping that I win. I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah. All right. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I'm hoping that we all don't lose. <laughs> Fair. I hope that too. I hope we don't lose. So just this past week, very exciting. Mr. Joe Biden announced his vice president pick. My favorite, one of the uh, only people I've donated money to, proud to say, Miss Kamala Harris. Hey, oh. First. Senator from the great state of California. Yes. Uh, First Asian American nominee, I believe, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. 
for the ticket. Her parents are from she's Jamaica Asian. and India. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. In, Indian. And, I guess. Indian, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then. Uh, Islander. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're excited about that. I'm actually a little surprised because I thought that was going to open him up to some issues on the left with her prosecutorial background. Um, but I think you can also make the opposite claim, which is it actually is a, a bonus in the, the post-George Floyd era to have uh, somebody who is familiar with law enforcement on the ticket. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's right, John. I think that there is, you know, both positives and negatives associated with it. She obviously, as a prosecutor, was very tough on drug crimes, very tough on, you know, inmate rights in California. Um, you know, but having that experience, uh, is important. Um, the way she's been able to grill people in Congress has been great. Oh yeah. Super entertaining. I, I don't know if you've seen some of the times that, yeah, it's, it's, that's fantastic. Um, I think she was the most conventional and safest pick yep. that he could have made out of the finalists that he had announced. Um, you know, uh, I would have, I, I probably would have gone with ambassador rice myself. That would have been my choice. Um, but I think that having a black woman on the ticket is, is very powerful currently. And, you know, again, she wouldn't be my first choice. I don't like her prose- uh, prosecutorial uh, history, but I do think that uh, she will, she'd make a very fine vice president. The yeah. um, Susan Rice is really interesting. I think she would have been a better candidate for governing. Um, she uh, there, there's also the argument that the vice president in a way should do some international stuff right it depends on how it depends on how a president sets up their administration yeah but certain vice presidents have been much more internationally focused yeah and work more closely with the secretary of state um which could have been a positive at this point i don't know if it's better to have someone who's more internationally focused on like say international policy or someone who's more focused on domestic policy probably domestic policy yeah or given state maybe yes but also like the president has a lot more power uh when it comes to foreign policy and so you might say that so you know like i think there's reasonable arguments to be made either way with that um but i think that it would it would have hurt him more electorally to have susan rice on there Mostly because of the Benghazi thing, which, by the way, is 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 nonsense. Uh, especially Susan right. Wright's right. is involvement with with that scandal in air quotes scandal. Right. Um, we should we should say four Americans died, which is a big deal. But you know, Congress, uh, the Republican House had, I believe, the longest serving select committee in congressional history on Benghazi, and that was over four American deaths, and they haven't done any of that kind of nonsense over, I don't know, COVID, so which is 160,000 deaths now, I believe, by yeah. some counts, plus. So uh, that kind of nonsense exposes them to be morally bankrupt on top of taking advantage of American deaths for political gains, which is unconscionable, in my opinion. Yeah. So yeah. let's... It's politicking at its absolute worst. It, just the and, sleaziest, yeah. swampiest bullshit so unfortunately, I would I would not have chosen Susan Rice because we have to win this election. She but had more I risks. would make her. She had more risks, more electoral risks for sure. Um, but kind of similar to Elizabeth Warren, like if I was Joe Biden, I would make Elizabeth Warren senior 
special advisor to the president about everything and and just have her brain in my administration. I think Elizabeth Warren uh, as conceptually might have been the best person in the field to be president, but I also think she was one of the risks riskiest uh, electorally. So unfortunately, yeah. we have to oh, battle. Oh, 100%. He was, he was cutting it off. If he had selected her, I mean, he would have won some points uh, having it as a woman VP selection with Elizabeth Warren, but um, not in today's climate. He, he could not have selected her versus the other three finalists. Which is uh, and, unfortunate. You know, let's give a shout out to Stacey Abrams, too. Hell yeah. You know, would have been sweet. And I mean, would have been sweet. I think that they definitely thought about that, right? And narrowing down their picks. Um, and that when I say they, I mean Biden and his staff, his counsel. You know, like already within, what, 48 hours, we now have the whole birther argument resurfacing against uh, vice president nominee Harris, Miss Harris. Yeah. So not, not, not only that, but within 48 hours claims by Fox news that, and other news media outlets on the right, that all coverage of Kamala Harris has been completely unfair. Nobody has asked her ever a tough question in her life within 48 hours. It's already, it's already setting forth the propaganda machine that they, it didn't matter who that yeah. person was. You could slot any of the other candidates in. They would have said the same exact thing. I mean, except for a Warren, except for a Warren. Yeah. Cause she's white. So they wouldn't have done the birther thing. You, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, you literally could have nominated John McCain's ghost and they would have come after him. And the, how could how, he's gotten the most cakewalk questions I've ever seen yeah, in 48 exactly. hours from St. Peter himself. so uh you know this is this is where we say like fox news is state propaganda at this point and it should be ignored oh it is because trump's there (laughs) right and 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 then during the biden administration it will just be right-wing propaganda unfortunately it is a um it's a monetization model (laughs) that people uh that robert ayers figured out Uh, and i mean it's a good one it's, it's a, a good really one. good one. It, it's they are lining their pockets yeah. based off of the ignorance and fear in this country. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, they've turned it. They've turned our nation into a television show, and so I guess it's not that surprising that we have a reality television host as our president. Uh, and the whole interaction of reality television and reality and whatever, where like it. Anyways, that whole spiral melts my mind, and I get into a dark place. When I get there, I mean, so. yeah, it's fair. I, I know people like the, 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 woman who taught me about LGBTQ transgender, you know, gay homosexual rights, that person, that woman is now a Trump supporter. And so it's just, that is evidence that this propaganda machine really works. You know, it works very well. So. And it's sad. Uh, it is. Turn off your television, folks. That's like the best advice I can give you for understanding what is happening in our nation. The first thing you have to do is turn off your television and start getting other sources of information. Uh, and the revolution will not be televised. Fuck yeah. And part of it, I mean, I, I say that to like MSNBC watchers, even though I agree with yep. their politics generally, it is that television CNN watchers, it, all of them, all of it. Yep. it's a bad yep. medium for understanding complexity because you have to have a 30 second sound bite and then cut to commercial. And so you just, <laughs> oh yeah, that's why Twitter's even worse. <laughs> I don't agree with that actually. Um, because of, uh, Oh really? 
Uh, yeah. Interesting. I, I actually disagree with that. Um, but that's probably a separate podcast. Yeah, I would yeah. say on the the difference between the like let's say MSNBC and Twitter, for example, for me is that like I, I, I like MSNBC, don't get me wrong, but there's just a lot of emotion when I tune in. Um, and I find that sometimes the emotion gets in the way of just the cold facts. Whereas Twitter to me is less emotional, just more bullet points of things happening. Um so in that regard I, I agree with Twitter is very different, but um, I, I think it's, you know, not to downplay the role MSNBC is providing because I find that their coverage is more honest than, say, Fox. Yeah, I, I'm making a claim about the medium more generally, I think. Television is just not a good medium for understanding complexity. And, Kelly, I understand, I think, I'm inferring that it's like, okay, well, how can you understand complexity in 240 characters? But there's a aggregation in Twitter, both in terms of like multiple tweets and in terms of multiple viewpoints that, and it's not, uh, it's a two-way medium instead of a one-way medium. And so I think those things um, allow it to be a, a, a better uh, medium for understanding reality than, than cable television. But that's also interesting. not a interesting. The I mean, I, I certainly up. understand what you're saying about both of that. Um, I, I I disagree uh, about about Twitter um, because I think that while it is a two way medium, um, you're in much more risk of siloing yourself off to people that I think it's really good for action time updates about what's happening. So you get you get really good information about stuff that's happening very quickly. But if you don't pay attention to what you're viewing, what you get is you get siloed off information and it's hard to gain a lot of context within the Twitter sphere without taking time to really look into issues outside of just that. If you don't click on the Times article, right, that's in Twitter and you just hear 300 people talking about what it is, it's no better than looking at the comment section at the end of the article itself. I think it depends on who you're that thinking that that whole argument within the comment section is news. Right. right. Well, is should be your media intake. And I just, I I would, I don't, I don't see it. I, I I really like it for the up to date. You get, you get really good piece, keep some key pieces of information very quickly, which I think helps in certain situations. Um, The flip side is that it, increases the speed of the 24-hour news cycle for people to forget it silos off information and perhaps increases the rate at which uh, inflammatory speech or racist comments or whatever are promoted could be that 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 might be true uh i can see that i think that the siloing is actually worse in cable television you have three options of silos basically you have cnn msnbc or uh Fox News, and so the the options are significantly more limited. While you still have major significant siloing, sure. the the other uh, the comment section is kind of like make your own comments. So I sure it could be the comment section, but my my Twitter is generally made up of a comment section of like professors instead of like Joe Schmo. Sure, who, but you're like so, in sure. the top ten percent of people on Twitter when it comes to who they're following. In fact, I mean, you really think that. Most people in in the world in the United States are having nothing in their feeds but like the Washington Post and professors at colleges. But that's not a problem with the medium. That's a problem with the people. 
the right? consumer. Yeah, and so and that's probably why people like to follow you. That, we should put a pin in this for another day. Save it for the tech talk. We can get in more of this when we when we get to the tech talk. Yeah, this but, is this is this is the tech talk, which will happen someday, maybe. I will take this opportunity to advertise our new news feed section of our website where you can log on at any time of the day. It's next to where we air our podcasts and you can get a little glimpse of what we are reading and what we share amongst ourselves when we are not recording these podcasts. I think you'll enjoy it. Which listeners is very active. I I will attest (laughs) uh, personally that it is very active. I will put a link in the description of this episode and you can find it on our website. That's ameripodcast.com. But moving back to our discussion on the VP, (laughs) I ultimately think that what we're witnessing is the Trump administration and Donald Trump personally just shaken in his boots. I think he's very nervous right now and probably Mike Pence is as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they have, they have given up trying to win the election, right? They are trying to cheat their way through Salvage the election, whatever, whatever they can to help, to help them. Yeah. And, and the way you can tell that is it's like typically elections, happen in where like if you're losing you're like okay well i'm gonna shake up the race with a big policy speech or something like that instead the the donald trump is like well i'm gonna destroy the post office right and so you're not competing for votes which is what an election is you're trying to destroy the voting system which indicates to me that he and his team is fully aware that they cannot win a free and fair election at least at least in half of the swing states at least in half the swing states I mean, they know that they're screwed in all the left-leaning states, yeah. for sure. You know, but they, but even then, because you know, because he's so willing to stand up and talk about conspiracy theories that come off the cuff of his brain whenever he's standing at the podium, he'll go out and call out like a state like California and say they're not legitimate enough to have their own mail-in system of voting. And let's be clear: there are there's no evidence for right. that. He's just saying right. words. Yes. He's just emoting. He told feelings. he told us before he doesn't know for sure. He called in today and told us he doesn't know for sure. He was elected to leave. Not to think about. <laughs> we heard yeah. it from his mouth. That's right. We all heard it. Uh, but here's here's an interesting question, um, and maybe this is part of the reason too. They, but is it possible that they think they'll lose all or at least most of the women vote? in this country when Mike Pence refuses to debate Kamala Harris on stage because she's a woman. I think they're, uh, down. If I remember correctly, 44 points, uh, with suburban women. Yeah. Uh, which is gnarly. If memory serves, they had a 27% approval rating. I think it was in the twenties. Um, and that's, that's, that's bad. Oh yeah. Turns out. And that's not very good. Trump won white women. In yeah. 2016. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I did. And I know I was. I know I was being a little facetious there, but I mean, I think that there, there's, there's a part of me that thinks that Mike Pence doesn't really want to stand on stage and debate a woman. That he thinks that it's below him. Well, I'm pretty sure he has to get permission from mother before he can be that close to another woman. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what she has to say before we can, you know, fully side on for the elect or for the debate. Um, Kamala is Ouch. gonna. 
wipe. Well, actually, we shouldn't say that because he's pretty good at like being all shucks and indignant, and so Kamala cannot just completely stomp on him, uh, which is unfortunate. She'll set him up. Yeah, you know, all, debating is an expectations game, which is hilarious because Donald Trump keeps on being like, Joe Biden is a stupid, drizzle, uh, drooling moron. And it's like, great. Well, when he gets on the debate stage, he has to string three words together that are coherent, and we're all going to call it a win. So way to set up the expectations game for yourself. Well, awesome job. Nice campaign <laughs> you got there. Have we have we seen anything in the past with presidents where the president took a less vocal position and the vice president stepped up a little bit more in front of the camera during the administration? Have we seen anything uh, like that in the past? Not on purpose. Yeah. So one of the one of the, that I can think of, I should say, one of the things that um, Abby's upset about this question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the one of the goals of picking a vice president is to make sure that they don't outshine the you president. Win. You don't want a vice president that all the voters are like, oh wait, maybe this should this guy should be the nominee or this gal should be the nominee. So that's uh, that is legitimately one of the concerns right. with Kamala is she's a very compelling person. And so you don't want to outshine Joe. So they'll probably um, tamp her down a little bit. They won't let her get the, all the horses out of the barn on that one. I was thinking that they might have her intentionally speak a little bit more and keep Joe a little bit in the background just because he's had so many uh, hits on his demeanor while he's speaking, you know, the, the flow of his words and the sharpness of his mind. Sure. I see what you're saying. I think I, that I would backfires. be surprised if they that backfires, but I do too. You think it would backfire? I would, oh, I would run against that so hard. I'd be like, look, they don't even want to bring their presidential nominee out because they don't think that he can string two it's, words. It's together already what they're, they're doing. It's already on their vice president. I guess I should be more clear. I should be more clear. I guess I mean, not during the campaign, but once this is all said and done, and the Democrats win the election, Biden's in office, Harris is his VP. So they'll do that with specific things. Like, for example, I believe that Joe Biden ran the uh, policy review for Afghanistan under the Obama administration. And uh, it just kind of depends on how the president decides to use their vice president. Yeah. Uh, there are some vice presidents that are completely irrelevant. There are some vice presidents that end up becoming um, more of a partner. And you've actually seen, I would say, um, generally a trend towards making the, the vice president more of a partner. I believe because of the complexity of the, the job. Yeah. You, you can't have one person do it. I, I but, agree. you know, you look at I Dick agree. Cheney or, or Joe Biden, uh, they right. both had really substantial Sometimes roles. Sometimes you have a vice president eclipse right. the presidency. Yes. Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it, it, I, I expect, well, and, and, and we should say specifically in this context, it's really interesting because I think we all expect Joe Biden to serve four years and not uh, run for reelection. So his vice presidential pick, right. sir, uh, basically, uh, uh, is is anointing a de facto successor. Successor is the word I was looking for. Thank you. So he, you know, by picking Kamala, he basically put her first in the twenty twenty four primary. Um, now it's entirely possible she, that that doesn't happen, uh, like Paul Ryan. 
Um, but uh, mm. in this context, it was a major decision, not only for the next four years, but also as who's going to lead the party going forward. Right. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's that I, I think you're right, John. And what it does, I think is signals more than just Biden uh, naming the successor along the democratic line. I think it's the democratic elite yeah. and the powerful people within the democratic party signaling that that's where they think the most success will lie over the next 10 to 15 years mm-hmm. is in cool. Kamala Harris and people that are associated with it. If Biden gets elected and if he is a one-term president that chooses the other side, which I think is very likely given, given his age. And if he will, yeah. um, there'll be serious um, challenges to Kamala as presidential bid. Um, if she, when, when she runs in four years, um, and she, I, she might lose a primary on the democratic side, you know, there's other strong candidates that beat her already in a, um, even with her being VP for four years, but this is all hypothetical. Yeah. I was going to say, I think (laughs) it's, uh, I don't know if she'll face major challenge. I think it's very dependent on how well the administration goes. Um, so if Joe Biden gets elected and they do a fantastic job, I don't think she'll face much of a challenge. Uh, if they do a terrible job or are perceived to do a terrible job, I think she'll, she will face significant challenge. So I think it's basically going to be up to the performance over the next four years. Uh, but it's good. We haven't seen that happen since 1968 with Lyndon Johnson. And in that right. case, you had, uh, Eugene McCarthy and Bobby Kennedy, um, and and did Hubert Humphrey run, or did Johnson just like give it? I think he did run, uh, but also the primary system was different than we should say. Um, after because of this particular election cycle, that was the year of the the Chicago convention. Um, Nineteen sixty eight, he did run. I mean, did he run for the primary? Did he run for the nomination? Uh, because you had uh, Eugene McCarthy and Bobby Kennedy challenge him, but also, um, if I remember correctly, they just like threw him the nomination at the convention. And part of that was because Bobby Kennedy was assassinated that year, as was Martin Luther King Jr. Right. It right. looks like 100%. he did seek the nomination. Okay, so yeah, I mean, I I think if Bobby Kennedy wasn't assassinated. He very likely, yeah. And then we probably don't have Richard Nixon, and then we probably don't have Watergate, and Vietnam looks a hell of a lot different, and China doesn't get opened in the same way, and our world is very different. All right, all right, going down the fucking historical (laughs) what-if rabbit hole. Yeah, you want to do the counterfactual on that one? And we know that the future is uncertain as well, but uh, what might happen in four years, but there's still a presidential campaign to run, and they still need to win it in yeah. November this year. And and it look and it looks good, you know. Kamal is a solid choice and you know, it's uh it's really there for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to lose at this point. I will say with with the state of where everything is, it's it's their election to lose. Assuming we have a free and fair election. Right, right. Right. Well, there there's that and I don't want to slip too far into being the opposite side of Trump's claims, right? Which is that if the Democrats lose, of course it's because there's no free and balanced election. If he cuts if he cuts all things, right? If there's absolutely no funding to the postal service and he li- tries to litigate it however he thinks he can do that. 
over, you know, a three month period, refuses to leave the office, then, you know, I'll have that conversation. But I'm not ready to jump in yet and say that if he wins, it's not a legitimate election. No, and I'm not saying that, but I think that we are closely approaching the point where we are not capable of having a free and fair election. Uh, oh yeah, I agree with you on that. So I agree with you on that. it's 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 not about we're not the there outcome, quite yet, but it's about the fact we're potentially that, a month away from that. Yeah, and yeah. if you are concerned about our free election, which you should be, and you're looking for something to do to play your part in contributing to protecting your your right to vote, we also have on our newsfeed a great little link on how you can participate. It's called Rescue Our Votes. Uh, I'll also include that in, in this podcast description. But check that out if you want to do something or donate some money to the cause because, uh, you know, democracy is at risk here, people. Yeah, this is, this is an all-hands-on-deck moment. This is not a like, oh, Obama will fix it. It's you're going to fix it or it's not going to get fixed. And by you, I mean every one of you who is listening to this. So hi, mom. So and all and all of us, yeah, and all three of us. This is um, it is a all hands on deck. There is nobody that is going to come and save you on this one. You are the savior you've been looking for. On that note, I would like to end with my quote here, and it's less. Oh yeah, unless uh, you have more to say on this subject, either of you. No, I mean I do, but no, we 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 got to wrap up. <laughs> And it's less of a quote, it's more of a, a story of wisdom. It goes like this. There was once a martial arts master and a martial arts student. And they would train vigorously from sunrise to sunset most days. And in their off time, their free time, they would spend in the garden watering and pruning the flowers and one day after training they were in the garden and the student said to the master master why is it that we spend so much time training in martial arts just to come here to the garden and water the flowers I want to get out there I want to kick some ass and the master said, yo, settle down, young blood, for it is better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Godspeed, everybody. Thank you.